Chapter 6 Healing the Child Within If you bring forth what is within you, what you bring forth will save you. If you do not bring forth what is within you, what you do not bring forth will destroy you. Gospel of Thomas, the Gnostic Gospels No one survives childhood unscathed. We incarnate to evolve and grow, so everyone who puts skin on and walks on two legs has issues. Otherwise, we wouldn't be in human form. I've never met anyone who had a perfect childhood. Things will happen. Caregivers are imperfect. Our needs don't get met. We all have difficult experiences in life. It's how we deal with or process our challenges that determines the course of our lives. How do we manage the abuse or neglect we experience? How do we deal with our discomfort, powerlessness, and not getting what we want or need? Children don't have much power. They can't go out and fend for themselves. They are at the mercy of the adults responsible for them. In inner child work, we are looking at how our psyche managed our experience in early life. Some people may be lucky enough to just have one or two wounded self-parts. Most people have many inner children to heal, care for, and integrate. For many, like myself, this is a lifetime practice. Each time we make peace with a lost part of ourselves, we become more whole and complete. We grow in our capacity to hold our own power and to manifest this power in service of others and the world. In bringing loving-kindness to our lost inner child parts, we also grow in the ability to parent ourselves with presence and compassion. When our internal landscape is grounded in self-care, we create for ourselves the environment of emotional and mental nourishment we have always craved. When working with our inner child, it's as if this child is an actual individual with unique experiences that we might not have access to with ordinary awareness. In fact, we may have consciously or unconsciously blocked childhood experiences in an attempt to avoid and manage pain and trauma we couldn't process or handle at the time. Some may block specific painful or difficult memories. Others may have no memory of entire sections of their early life. A few may have no memories at all before the age of 12 or 14. When we lose authentic parts of ourselves in this way, A void is created in the psyche. This void is often a place where inner self-criticism and destructive, defensive patterns can come in to fill the gap. Though the inner negativity may serve to keep our authentic suffering at bay, as we looked at in Chapter 5, the suffering created by our defenses may be exponentially greater than the original suffering we hope to avoid. Memory and Triggers Memory is a constructive mental process. Blocked memories are a safeguard by the psyche, a particular way to manage suffering, much like putting smelly garbage in the trash bin so it doesn't stink up the house. The psyche has the capacity to bury painful memories outside of consciousness. This is a brilliant management technique that allows the self to function when it doesn't know how to process reality. In Allies and Demons, Inner child parts are actually fragments of our own soul trapped in psychological time. The fragments in cold storage are disconnected from the whole. Still, they have tremendous impact on our daily lives because they are a part of us 
even if we are unaware of them. Usually, they remain frozen in the place, time, or experience that we hoped to evade. Unfortunately, this configuration keeps a part of us perpetually stuck in a state of fear, pain, or trauma and creates soul loss by keeping a part of our life energy out of reach. The causes of soul loss or inner self-division are many. It might be a single traumatic event, or the internal splitting might be the result of some chronic, ongoing dynamic in our childhood, like abuse, neglect, rejection, or feeling misunderstood. This internal separation is why certain situations can trigger powerful childlike emotional, mental, and even physical responses in adulthood. A trigger is when an experience or thought in present time causes a reaction, like pulling the trigger of a gun causes a bullet to shoot. Emotional triggers can feel quite violent and often show up unexpectedly and inconveniently. A trigger or strong reaction is a clue that there is unresolved emotional material. For example, Max was having sex with his new girlfriend, Josephine. Josephine was a nice young woman and they really liked each other. In the middle of making love, Max was overcome with anxiety and lost his erection. Josephine was surprised at the sudden change and asked what was wrong. Max could barely speak, he was so upset but he was also embarrassed and shocked himself. He didn't really understand what happened either. He assured her that she hadn't done anything wrong. Max started having nightmares, or what is often called flashbacks of being sexually abused by his priest as a boy. He felt a lot of shame and blocked the memory as best he could. However, the actual rape experience was stored in his body. He had sex many times since the abuse, but something about the experience with Josephine triggered the past trauma. Using inner child techniques and power retrieval, which we will discuss later, Max was able to process what happened and shift his relationship with himself, his past experience, and his sexuality. Seeking balance and wholeness. The higher self is always seeking balance, healing, and wholeness. Inner child fragments can be exiled, abandoned, and neglected, but they cannot be destroyed and are forever trying to return home. Phobias, addictions, compulsions, depression, and anxiety are often rooted in an attempt to keep those unwanted memories and feelings at bay. Memories, like thoughts in general, are patterns of neurons firing in our brain. Feelings and emotions are stored in our body in a similar way. Working with the sensations and feelings in the body is known as somatic psychology. As we shall see in many of our inner journeys, working with sensations in the body is a very direct way to process stored and unresolved past experience. In Allies and Demons, we heal and integrate our past in an empowering way. We do not re-experience our past painful experiences. We already lived through them once. In fact, one of the hallmarks of unresolved emotional issues is re-feeling or re-experiencing the pain or fear of the original unresolved event over and over, either by being triggered in present time or by being drawn to similar situations. The challenge is that memories with similar patterns can be activated at the same time. Grief, trauma, and abandonment memories are stored in a similar way. So when we experience a loss in present time, 
other unresolved feelings may be brought up as well. The good news is that these patterns can be reconfigured. Our body-mind system is incredibly plastic and malleable. The possibility for constructive change is ever-present. Unresolved feelings being triggered presents an opportunity to heal. From the perspective of allies and demons, our repetitive negative patterns in relationship and life experience are attempts by these soul parts to create opportunities to evolve and reintegrate. The purpose of inner child work is to retrieve the life energy attached to unresolved emotional material. We process and digest the experiences of our past, integrate whatever can nourish and inform us, and let go of what no longer serves us. Like a cucumber transforming into a pickle, the process cannot be reversed. Life energy. In this work, we act as our own first responders, rescuing the inner child with the help of our own adult self, our guides and teachers. We bring the child out of the situation that has been frozen in the psyche and into the safe and sacred place in nature found in the first journey. All inner child parts hold vital life energy, as well as specific gifts and talents usually associated with our authentic self. The life energy of the inner child is part of our own soul substance. When we lose access to our child self, we also lose access to the creativity, curiosity, or compassion they hold. We may lose the capacity to love and be brave or trusting. We may lose excitement and enthusiasm for life or whatever other wonderful gifts the child has. When we cut off parts of our experience, we defend against historic pain, but we also lose all the things that are valuable about that part of ourselves. And tragically, when we separate from aspects of ourselves to avoid pain, we also lose access to their light. When we disconnect from our true self in this way, it's like an eight-cylinder car that's firing on only five cylinders. We lose power and function poorly. Through the inner journey accompanying this chapter, we bring our wounded child parts home through a process called soul retrieval. Soul retrieval returns and reintegrates lost or separated parts of the self to their natural place. The metaphorical engine of our mental, emotional, spiritual, physical selves is restored to full power. When all of our cylinders are firing, life runs more smoothly in every area. Inner child work offers a powerful gift, regaining access to the soul energy and the unique characteristics that are often the best parts of us. Our objective is to have a healthy internal relationship with our inner child part in waking consciousness. Some people understand this as an emotional part of themselves. Some would call it their unconscious. Others understand inner child parts as a spiritual or soul component. The ultimate goal is for the child self to become a thriving part of us, living with us in our ordinary life, receiving the love and care they have always needed. How we relate internally with ourselves is central to our whole experience of the external world. Whether we are aware of it or not, we may have abandoned essential parts of ourselves. Although abandonment may not have been the original plan, fundamentally, that's what can happen. Soul Retrieval What happens if we don't do this work? We have an area of our psyche that isn't functioning as an adult. 
There will be areas of our life where we remain childlike, immature, and underdeveloped. We will respond or react from this wounded child place. This is often what emotional outbursts, irrational fear, or avoidance are about. We all have immaturity, but most of us just feel shame or embarrassment and try to hide or mask the undeveloped parts of ourselves. We may defend or justify our position, or we might deny or minimize our situation as a way to avoid the discomfort of growing. Anxiety, depression, addiction, anger, intimacy issues, suicidality can all be positively affected by inner child work. We may have unresolved anger, pain, or fear, and we don't know what to do about it. If we don't have the skills and resources to create healthy change, we may just try to avoid or medicate our suffering rather than take the hero's journey to face and heal it. The healing work is to get that child to feel safe and secure. The benefits are developing the confidence, self-compassion, and resources to self-parent in a healthy and sustainable way. How we orient to our child self is a metaphor for our emotional and spiritual relationship with ourselves and is a growing internal partnership in present time. It is important to remember that in allies and demons, all time is present time. Without this perspective, people may try to connect with their child self part and view it as something historic. They may feel sadness or pity for the child because they know all the things the child will have to live through in the next 10, 20, or 40 years. This is inaccurate because this child is a living part of us today. It is not lost. It's just developmentally frozen in psychological time. Linear time has already passed. We can never relive the past. Wounded parts of the self can have profound impact on our lives, and we may have no idea. A major disadvantage of cutting off aspects of ourself is that we may have a wounded three-year-old or a needy five-year-old who is managing our relationships, our eating habits, or our financial life. For example, my family of origin avoided expressing feelings and emotions. Often vulnerable feelings were ridiculed, and I grew to hate raw feelings like sadness, neediness, or fear. When these feelings arose, I felt weak and shameful. I did everything I could to appear as strong and powerful as possible. Consequently, I developed a tough guy mask with a lot of help from drugs and alcohol. The problem is that I couldn't avoid having vulnerable experiences in life. I'm a super sensitive, emotional person, and the vulnerable feelings were still there. I had family, romantic relationships, and friendships with people that felt vulnerable because vulnerability is how we make genuine connection with others. Frequently, when that level of openness came up, I would feel like a defensive four-year-old. I would be impulsive, reactive, or fearful, with very little grown-up emotional responses to draw from. Sometimes, I couldn't access my adult ego state at all. It's a powerful practice to be emotionally mindful and ask yourself how old you feel at any given time. If one feels like a child, there is work to be done that will really help mature one's responses. A lot of dysfunctional relationship patterns are driven by the reactions of these inner children. It is usually an attempt to try to heal, but we just don't have the skills or the inner resources. 
Often, our whole worldview is permanently discolored by childhood experiences. This work will bring a shift. It's not about killing the child off or making them go away. It's about taking responsibility for ourselves, developing healthy self-compassion and self-discipline, and bringing all aspects of ourself to be part of the larger system. We want to make grown-up decisions. The work of soul retrieval may be understood as going into the transpersonal realm and retrieving an aspect of us that's been frozen in non-ordinary reality. The work is to heal our relationship with these authentic aspects of ourself, to integrate the life energy they hold and grow in the ability to treat ourselves with the love, kindness, compassion, and even self-discipline that we optimally need. Soul retrieval is a potent, shamanic technique for integrating separated, lost, or disparate parts of the self. Inner child work is a type of soul retrieval. However, soul retrieval can be used to integrate self-parts of any age or stage, as we will explore in the following chapters on trauma, depression, and anxiety. People really feel the difference from inner child work. Frequently, they will come out of these inner journeys feeling more whole, calm, and grounded. They report seeing color more brightly, hearing sound more fully, smelling things more acutely. It's powerful because this is actual power. We are literally adding to our life energy. Chloe. Chloe was a tall, quiet young mother who was feeling overwhelmed by her relationship with her new mother-in-law. Angela, the mother-in-law, was a controlling, manipulative woman who had little respect for Chloe. Angela would frequently visit Chloe unexpectedly, often entering the house without knocking. Chloe, a reserved and private person by nature, was horrified and enraged by Angela's behavior, but was unable to create a healthy boundary or stand up to her mother-in-law. Part of Chloe's anger was that her husband, Tyler, seemed unaffected by her outrage and was unwilling to protect her from his mother's bold behavior. Chloe grew up with a very sickly mother who was cared for by her father. The family culture was such that anything difficult or frightening was avoided, and being sick was a common excuse. Although Chloe had surprised herself with her own strength during childbirth and in her skills as a new mother, she collapsed emotionally in the face of the dominant Angela. As time passed, Chloe grew to hate Angela and began to make excuses, including pretending to be sick to avoid family gatherings. Although Chloe did not want to repeat her childhood family patterns, she had little experience with healthy adult confrontation. Using Chloe's active imagination and body-centered mindfulness, we went into the feelings of rage and powerlessness associated with Angela. We found Chloe on a couch at the age of 10. Her mother was in a mental hospital for anxiety and anorexia, but the family told the children that their mother was having surgery. Chloe, a very intuitive child, knew that she was being lied to, but she also knew that she could not ask for the truth. This 10-year-old girl was furious at being made to pretend that mother was physically ill rather than emotionally sick. When we brought this powerful, honest, insightful child into present time, she provided Chloe with a source of strength that she had lost decades before. Her child self was extremely compassionate, but fierce. This child part needed Chloe to tell Angela the truth. 
We practiced what Chloe would say and also practiced calling in her guides and teachers for protection and power. Chloe called Angela and simply told her that she would need to call and make arrangements before coming to the house and that she felt very uncomfortable with the impromptu visits. Surprisingly, Angela agreed and changed her pattern of dropping by unannounced. In fact, the whole tone of their relationship changed. Chloe didn't like her mother-in-law much better, but she no longer felt bullied or overrun and now knew that she had the resources to stand up for herself and tell the truth in an effective way. Healthy Self-Parenting Most of us are deeply affected by our unresolved emotional issues from childhood. The way our caregivers, teachers, community, and peers related to us has a profound impact on how we treat ourselves and interact with the world. We all develop internal systems to manage our social and emotional experience. These management systems often reflect the type of care we received as children. This isn't meant to blame parents. They were children at one point, too. This is just a developmental fact. We internalize our experience, and if that experience was healthy, loving, and respectful, we have a healthy internal relationship with our own needs, desires, and feelings. In an optimal child-rearing situation, a child would have most of her needs met by loving parents who accept the child for who she really is and actively support her to be her authentic self. In this environment, the child will naturally internalize the parenting model experienced in their younger years. Then, as an adult, the type of successful caregiving received as a child becomes a helpful and even vital internal self-part. A healthy self-parent. If the caregiving was inadequate, as it usually is because everyone is human, then our internal ability to care for ourselves may be flawed and dysfunctional. For example, Laura's parents were both executives who worked long hours at stressful jobs. Although they cared deeply for Laura and put a lot of resources into her care with nannies, babysitters, and extensive after-school activities, she didn't actually spend much time with her parents. As an adult, Laura kept herself extremely busy and was plagued by perfectionism and a need for achievement. She was often the top salesperson at work, ran marathons, and trained as a triathlete. No matter how outwardly successful she was, Laura never felt good enough and always pushed herself to achieve more. Although she was in a long-term relationship with a woman who loved her deeply, Laura was insecure and always feared that she would be abandoned, feelings she kept to herself. Laura's internal dialogue, her inner parent, constantly pushed her to overachieve in the hopes of finding the love and security she craved. Unfortunately, from an inner child perspective, the part of her that felt inadequate and unloved would never be healed by external success alone. Life gives us opportunities over and over again to repattern our unresolved emotional processes. Intimate relationship, caring for aging parents, death of loved ones, and having our own children all provide opportunities for our own wounds to be triggered and ultimately healed. Inner child work is the most direct way I know to shift these deep patterns that are at the root of so much of our suffering and turmoil. Through the Healing the Child Within journey accompanying this chapter, Laura was able to shift her relationship with her emotional self and develop a compassionate, loving internal parent within. During Laura's inner journey, 
reconnected with her seven-year-old self at ballet class. She had been admonished by the instructor for not having her hair done correctly. Laura had put her own bun in that day and felt terrible shame and inadequacy. This little girl tried so hard to be brave and independent, but she felt she would just never be good enough. The adult Laura felt tremendous love for this girl and was able to give her inner child a big hug and tell her that the ballet teacher was a jerk and that she was a strong and competent girl who worked really, really hard. The child felt seen and understood. We brought this lovely little girl out of the ballet studio into the jungle, where Jaguar, Laura's power animal, lived. Laura's adult self felt the immense love, acceptance, and grounding presence of Jaguar, and was able to tell that girl that she was perfect, just the way she was. Although Laura continued to value high achievement, her internal dialogue shifted and relaxed. Her inner child needed time to just play and enjoy nature, rather than always focusing on outcomes. As she developed a healthy, loving self-parent, Laura was more able to receive the love of her partner and friends and felt an inner security that she had never experienced before. When we heal our internal relationship with ourself, our whole life experience will change. As we approach these child aspects of ourself, we find that each child part has had a different experience and will offer us something unique. Some self-parts may be brilliant, gifted, and full of vitality, while others may be sad, lonely, frightened, or angry. Regardless of their experience, each part of ourself holds essential life energy that is beneficial. Like Laura, one of the key skills most of us need to develop is healthy self-parenting. Through this work, we cultivate our best adult self and engage directly with long-buried aspects of our past in a helpful way. Through the journey corresponding with this chapter, we can bring these fragmented aspects of who we are into a new sense of integration in the present moment. Self-parts Most people tend to think of themselves as a single cohesive unit or integrated individual personality. My experience as a therapist is that each human being is more like a committee or group than they are a single entity. We are made up of a vast array of life experiences from all phases of our life. We also consist of many emotional, spiritual, social, and relational aspects that may be in contrast and even in conflict with each other. Rather than seeing ourselves as having multiple personality disorder, because we have different self-parts, the work is to make peace with and integrate our past experience into present time. In Allies and Demons, the more concrete we make the various aspects of ourself, the more directly we can bring healing and love where it is needed most. As we recognize, validate, and integrate our disparate parts and our past experiences, we find that we become more whole and centered. Our capacity for kindness, compassion, and forgiveness grows. We become less rigid, fearful, and controlling as we grow in flexibility and presence. Some may find that new creativity flows in. Others may find the courage to pursue goals and dreams that seemed unreasonable or out of reach. Relationships with others deepen as we become more grounded in and directed by our own authentic self. We become less affected 
and driven by external forces that may not have our best interests at heart. Gifts and Talents Everyone has something to offer the world. We all have gifts and talents. The things that are naturally good about us, we could call our innate intelligence. We all have certain ways we are intelligent, even if we never did well in traditional school. Multiple intelligent theory insists that there are many different types of intelligence beyond reading, writing, and math. Multiple intelligence theory was developed by Dr. Howard Gardner at Harvard University in the 1980s and is now considered mainstream psychology. If we expand our concept of intelligence to include the whole human experience, then it is obvious that we can be smart, gifted or talented in many ways, emotional, social, athletic, logical, spatial, relational, to name a few. Someone might be dyslexic or poor with numbers, but amazing with small children. Another might be a terrific dancer or business manager, but is really challenged by sexual relations or deep emotions. Others might manage conflict with grace, but can't find their way around city streets. I have a good friend who quit school in ninth grade and is challenged to write a cohesive sentence or speak with people he doesn't know, but he is one of the best mechanics in town and can fix anything with gears and a motor. Discovering our inherent abilities is part of owning our own unique worth and value as a person. Unfortunately, many of us are disconnected from our best parts or maybe don't even believe they exist. Think of the world as a garden where we're each a different flower or plant. What if I am born a daffodil? but my family values roses. I want to please my family and try to be a rose. I try to act and smell like a rose, but I'm terrible at being a rose because I'm actually a daffodil. When my daffodil nature pops out or reveals itself in all its glorious yellowness, I feel ashamed and wonder what's wrong with me. Why can't I be a better rose? This is a human tragedy because I'm a perfectly good daffodil. If I reject my true nature, I will always find myself wishing to be something I am not, rather than developing and rejoicing in who I really am. Whenever we try to be what we believe we should be, we're acting from a place of fear, not our authentic self. The fearful part of us believes we are unlovable as we are. Frequently, a false self develops. We could call this our mask self or our ego. Wearing the mask actively disconnects us from our authentic self. At first, this comes into being as a defense, but then it becomes an ingrained, reflexive way of life. Over time, we may lose conscious contact with our authentic self altogether. Even though they can lie dormant for years, our gifts and unique intelligence are always available to us. As we grow up, We don't mature evenly across all the many developmental areas that make us human. The more we illuminate and balance the different aspects of our complex selves, the more successful we'll be in clarifying who we are and evolving in directions we prefer. Most of us have aspects of our personality where we feel fairly mature and grown up. These are our personality assets. It's the places where we're underdeveloped or frozen that inner child work is needed and effective. Through the guided journey accompanying this chapter, we go directly to the wounded or undeveloped child parts to help them grow and mature in a healthy way. Luckily, 
The healing and transformation work we do as adults doesn't take the same chronological time that passed when we were developing as children. Healing and recovery can happen exponentially faster when we bring our adult consciousness to immature parts of ourselves that need to grow, heal, and integrate. Finding, developing, and supporting what is good about us is part of healthy self-parenting. Doing so brings a sense of purpose, unavailable in other ways. Finding his voice. John was preparing to take voice lessons. He had always sung in the shower and wanted to gain the skills and confidence to do more with his voice. Before his first lesson, John found himself feeling depressed and full of dread. He canceled the lesson. In an Allies and Demons session, we went into the feeling of dread in his stomach and asked what it was connected to from his past. We came to an experience when John was five and his father shamed him for singing too loudly when dad was trying to do some work. John never felt heard by his father, and this experience solidified the idea that he should quiet his voice and he never sing in front of anyone again. Using our active imagination, we can directly access the child part of ourselves to affect profound transformation and healing in present time. In our sessions, we were able to bring John's best adult self into connection with this wounded five-year-old child and bring the child part out of this traumatic experience where he had been emotionally suffering for much of his life. John was able to tell this inner child part of himself that it was safe to use his voice and that John, in his adult ego state, was here to love and support this boy in a way he had always needed. This is part of developing a healthy inner parent to replace the shaming, blaming energy he had internalized from his father. After our sessions, John was able to move through his old fear, show up for his lessons, and explore his own voice. We will now connect with wounded, traumatized, or neglected aspects of the self using our active imagination. As we help, heal, and reparent our emotional self in present time, we will find that the most important thing is not what happened to us in the past, but how we relate to these inner parts of ourselves now. Emotional Maturity Our emotions and feelings are a tremendous source of information. They add color, texture, and flavor to our lives. Feelings link us with insight and intuition about the choices we need to make on a daily basis. If we lose access to our intuition and our feelings, we lose much of what makes us uniquely human. Emotional maturity is not lack of feeling. Emotional maturity means being able to process and manage the information coming from our emotional responses. Rather than reacting to our emotions based on habitual past conditioning or just shutting them down entirely, emotional maturity means being able to respond to the outside world and our interior life from a balanced, fully feeling, mindful place. I think all of us need ongoing work in emotional development and maturity, not just those overtly suffering from emotional trauma. Everyone can benefit from integrating unresolved emotions. As we get more conscious and reflective about the many varied parts of ourself, we have greater choice about how we act and react. Sometimes in life, we may need to focus on the task at hand and put aside our feelings. The work is to make time for our feelings later, to process our experience and move on. 
Unfortunately, many people operate all the time in this extreme mode of goal-oriented actions, maximizing their idealized self-image and suppressing their emotions. They then act out their unfelt emotions unconsciously. They don't know why they got in a fight with their spouse. They don't know why they ended up at the refrigerator eating cookie dough or compulsively playing games on their phone. They tell themselves, I'm not going to eat that anymore, but are back at the refrigerator again and again. Whenever we say, I don't know why I did that, it's a sign that we need to focus loving attention exactly in that direction. Some aspect of ourself is acting out, trying to get our attention. If we push that aspect of ourself aside and continue to deny and bury it, it's going to keep acting out until it gets the attention it needs. This is where self-parenting comes in. Allies and Demons teaches us how to become a responsible self-parent. We aim our parenting attention devotedly toward those childhood parts of ourselves that didn't get their needs met. We can bring unconditional love to parts of ourselves that were misunderstood, ignored, or abused. We can bring wisdom and guidance to our own inner child. Now, in the present moment, we are the only ones who can parent our emotional self. We need to observe inner feelings and outer behavior in our lives that is disruptive and negative from a place of curiosity and compassion. Asking why we did something is interesting, but why is usually not a helpful question. We need to ask ourselves what, where, and how questions to go deeper into the root of our patterns. Questions like, what is my motive or drive for this behavior? Or perhaps, Where is this behavior a problem? Or when did this feeling first start in my life? Provide more useful information. Through asking the right questions and opening to insight from our guides and inner teachers, we can step-by-step look deeper into our past until we come directly to the genesis of an issue. When we heal an issue at its root, many of the presenting problems that develop to protect us from the original pain unravel. Taking the inner journey to heal the child within. The process we will use to heal the child within is a modified shamanic soul retrieval. This inner journey may be done repeatedly to heal our wounds, develop the ability to parent ourselves in a healthy way, and grow in emotional vulnerability and maturity. If you don't have time to take the inner journey to heal the child within right now, feel free to skip to chapter 7 and return to this important piece of inner work later.